go my man deathmatch mike said a few weeks from now we're going to be getting into the guts of ecw and this has to be the beginning tonight we're going to talk about the night the line was crossed 94 badass show this is professor j i'm with deathmatch mike what's up mike hey how you doing i'm good man Good pumped glad to be, be talking about this. Yeah, Absolutely. me too. Glad to talk some ECW. We're getting into some some uh, pretty good shows from here out. We're gonna oh, be, yeah. Like you said, the guts of ECW. We're going to start to see, you know, pretty soon we're going to see the Guerreros and Malinkos and Ben Watts come in, and we're just going to go, go, go from here on. Hell yeah, man. And I just, Mike, I just love this, this show. I mean, it's been years since I saw it, and that's kind of the cool thing I'm loving here. The last few we we did, I never saw and now i've seen all of these but it's been years since i really sat down and watched the shows and man i was a pig in mud watching these matches and remembering them and even the the promo after the main you know i kept watching it and watching it and watching it you know it's just so uh man it was just reminiscing the old days of being so in love with ecw you know cool time cool time yeah, this was, I would say this was their first gigantic show, you know, their first mm-hmm. super big show, so, where they really uh, got on the map. Oh, oh, definitely, and, you know, we'll talk about, I know everybody has heard, if, if, if listeners haven't seen it, I'm positive they've heard, at least, of the 60-minute three-way dance that, as you say, it had a lot to do with putting ECW on the map. You know, I mean, they they were to some degree up until then, but that really made people start wondering what what's going on in Philly. You know, so absolutely, yeah. You know, that's a, and you know, I got a lot of exposure in the magazines and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Whatnot and got uh, things up and going for sure, for sure. Well. I mean, let's dig into this thing. Let's go match by match and just talk about what was there. I mean, for, first of all, Mike, what was your thoughts on that Todd promo at the beginning? You know, he had it looked like a an old news desk or something. You know, he was sitting there yeah. with the fucking maps in the background and shit. Yeah, it was wild, but it was cool. I, actually, I think I think it was his his pawn shop. Okay, I think it was the yeah. back room of his pawn shop in Philly. Yeah. He owns a couple of pawns. He still does to this day. Yep. He's a big pawnbroker, and he owns a couple of pawn shops. So I almost think it was uh, the back of uh, his old pawn shop. Yeah. Yeah, they used to run a lot of business out of there. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, right there in the in the jewelry, jewelry district yep. in Philly there. Yeah. 
still, he's, I don't know if he has all three stores, but he still has at least one. Wow, uh, that's pretty cool. Because uh, the day I interviewed him, uh, he was doing an interview from the jewelry from the pawn shop. Yep, yep, I remember that. Definitely, I thought that was cool and kind of set up for the show. That's a great interview too. I mean, listeners, if you if you're digging this and you're you're an ECW fan, you need to get back and check out Mike's archives there. What Mike? What was that show? Was that on Deathmatch News Radio? Oh uh, yes. Yeah, yep. I thought so. So go yep. back and check the archives of that and get the Tide Gordon interview. That is badass. Yeah, it was a really good interview. He really doesn't do podcasts either. So it's right. cool that he, he came out and did it yeah. for us. They yeah. wrote him like this fucking three-page letter. <laughs> and that's a huge fucking get, too, man. That's what I thought yeah. when you when you got him. And I saw it pop up on there. I thought, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, Tide really Gordon cool is a big, big fish to reel in so yeah, to speak you know? he's messaged me a few times since then and you know it's really cool to to have any kind of relationship with him at all no that is very cool that is very cool and one of the true men that was a uh, laid the laid the very foundation for ecw for sure absolutely um, we we had talked about Big Sal, you know, Sal Belomo on a lot of the shows, he's been in and out and they just on the injury angle there where he was on the shelf, Rebel put him on the shelf. And at the last show he had done kind of a run. He came back and he ran around a bit. Well, at this point now, I think it's probably near the, near the end of his time in ECW. He was in full come out tossing the, were they stuffed animals? I don't, it was some kind of toy. That he right. was sort of, yep. he was whipping around there, but uh, and he would get Mr. Hughes, Mr. Hughes with Jason Knight, you know, so kind of a a good opening match. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask you, was this a bigger ring? It looked to me like it was. It, it definitely did. Yeah, it looks like they kind of got to a normal size ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely did because the last show the ring looked very small. Yeah, you know, this uh, for sure. For sure, looked like, that. and then kind of they. If we notice too from the last show to this one, they kind of the setup is a little different too. Right. You know, they're going to get more to the setup that we're used to. Yep. You know, in the ECW arena. Yeah. You know, it's kind of become, and it was a good crowd. You know, they drew about eleven hundred people for the show. Oh yeah, and they were hot too. I yeah. Mean, the, the crowd was. I thought they were hot from match one to the end. For sure. I really did. For sure. I mean, as many of the crowds were back then. I mean, it wasn't. You know, these were not, ECW did not have sit-on-your-hands kind of crowds. You know, people were all in. If you were a fan of, of ECW, you were, you were extreme, you know, just like the action and the ring. So uh, it was definitely a different experience than a lot of the indies today where, but, but again, you know, I mean, wrestling has, it's been a double, it's been a, a, a curse and a blessing at the same time in how, Many of the shows and many promotions, they try to give fans good shit. But at the same time, some places have put the pedal to the metal too hard. And now, unless you're ready to fucking scalp somebody right in the middle of the ring, right? a lot of fans really don't respond. You know, so, I mean, because they've no. seen it all before. They've seen all that shit before. Well, and so many of the wrestlers, you know, don't sell properly anymore either. I know. You know, it just becomes a a lot of a lot of shit. 
because they don't, you know, you'll Leo Rush, for instance, you know, yep, takes the Canadian Destroyer and doesn't sell, or e- even in death matches, you know, they'll they'll uh, you know early on they'll take a tube and fall over, and then they'll take a bundle of tubes and pop right back up. They, they've lost the art of selling. It's really exactly. a lost art in wrestling. Or take the um, tube and bash it right over their own fucking head. Well, sure, right. You know, and, and I really hate to say it, it's like with the Young Bucks. They've really changed Young Bucks and Omega because those guys, just the selling is so not what it used to be. Yep. You know, with these crazy-ass moves and then people getting right back up and shit. Although I will say Nick Jackson's a pretty good seller. Sure. He sold that back for a while, so I'll give him credit there. Well, you know, Mike, it's funny that you bring that up, too, because as I was watching this show and... Many of the matches, you know, particularly, uh, we'll get to the ones that I, I really noticed is selling big time, but some of the guys were selling so well, and I just thought, and they were guys that eventually, you know, got over so huge with the crowd, and I thought, you know, wrestlers today need to go back and just really fucking marinate with this stuff. I mean, and and the because the art of selling just, I don't know if... I feel like they must have learned it, but many guys, it's just not a premium place on it anymore. You know who I love, who I thought was one of the best sellers in the business? Was Steve Carino. Mm. Uh, yeah. He just told such a great story. Yeah. And, you know, the blonde hair. I remember the one bloody match. He came out with a white shirt. Yeah. Blonde hair. Just oozed. Uh, just sold so good. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like he was dying all the time when he was taking punishment. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, but you know, that was uh, I, I Paul. W- one of the ways I think Paul was a, a real master, even more so than what he gets credit for, which is you know the booking and all that. But I think he was a master at strategically putting that locker room together. You know, because he chose guys carefully that could fucking go. He chose guys that. Could do, there were nothing in other places too, and turn them into world champions. Oh yeah, you know he brought Jerry Lynn in. Jerry really hadn't, you know, he had a cup of coffee in WWE, did some stuff global back in the day. Yep. Japanese runs, not not a huge name in America. Steve Carino, a perennial, you know, mid card opener on the East Coast. Rhino, no one even knew Rhino. He was doing <laughs> indies in Michigan and exactly. in Canada. Exactly. You know, he he brought these guys in and turned them. Rob Van Dam. He'd been doing indies in, in Memphis, in South Carolina, opening Robbie V in WWE, or WCW, excuse me. He had a cup of coffee there as Robbie V. It turned him into a superstar overnight. I mean, he 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 got these guys that everyone else pretty much said, ugh, and, and found something and made them larger than life, you know? Tommy oh, Dreamer, yeah. you know, TD Madison, he was doing a uh, Chippendale. Yep. You know, Mr. Sandman was a surfer. He's... <laughs> It's amazing how he turned these guys. <laughs> exactly. Know, he, he helped reinvent Terry Funk. Now, granted, Terry could do that himself, but don't you know, just turn Terry's legend into something totally yep. new because Terry yep. became a different version of Terry. Yep. You know, uh, you know Raven, you know, uh, look at all the horrible gimmicks he had. Scotty the Body, Scotty Flamingo, Johnny Polo. Yeah, he, he made it work with these guys. He, he was amazing at, at just seeing talent, even if it was hidden deep down. In developing it, he knew I mean, it was there. We went, we went yeah. from a Tasmaniac, which is a crazy Tasmanian gimmick, to a tough as nails shooter. 
Oh God, he he did amazing Taz. things with Taz. Yeah, he. I, I think he gave Bam Bam Bigelow probably one of the best runs of his career. He did. Yeah, you know, he did. He just totally turned these guys. You know, he he gave Candido a great run when Candido pretty much was a, you know, middle of the card guy. Right. For most of his uh, runs, even when he was NWA champion, that was kind of a last minute thing because Shane threw the belt down. Right. Um, right. He just, uh, you know, he gave, you know, Lance Storm, he put him on the map. Oh, and, and what you just said, I mean, Shane. I mean, Shane yeah. had had oh, absolutely. great success, but to take him and make him the top guy. Well, yeah, Shane, Shane has never been a main eventer. Exactly. He'd been a mid-carder in the UWF. Uh, right. WWE, his first run, he was pretty much an opening match guy. Right. Even the second run, with Dean Douglas wasn't great. Right. Uh, you know. Probably his best run was when he was the world tag champion with Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, yeah. And but he was never the main guy. He was never the franchise. Exactly. And he was never the heel because he was that bleach blonde pretty boy. Who could see him as a heel? I know. And he was a great fucking heel. <laughs> I mean, the heat he got. One of the best promos ever. I mean, promos, absolutely in pure heat. Yeah. I mean that pit pit bull feud that was. People wanted to kill him. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was, was real. Like that was real. Yep. yep, yep, that was. Absolutely, you know. That was run for your life, hide in the fucking trunk of your car. And Francine <laughs> was amazing with him. Oh yeah, I mean amazing. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I I thought Sherry Martel was too, and then was Francine was a lot like Sherry to me. She was. You know, I mean Francine could really. Obviously, you know she 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 probably studied a lot of Sherry because she was really as you, I wouldn't I'm not calling her a copy of Sherry but she was she paid attention to all well, yeah. the facts. Every, everyone copies Sherry. someone. It's not it's not a right. bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just how we get better. We we grow off of them. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. Yeah. She was uh, such a great heel manager, and then even as a great face. I mean, she was so over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, uh, she was probably my favorite manager of ECW. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, you know, uh, maybe if I thought about it, it might go another way. But I just, uh, I really liked her work, you know, from turning on the pit bulls to, and then, you know, Dreamer mm-hmm. and Raven. and Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Quality stuff. Well, let's get back to the, right. the big cat. <laughs> the big cat Curtis Hughes here. So that was a... I, that's another one, Mike, that uh, I really would like to talk to in the near future is Jason, because Jason really kind of was with ECW from beginning to end, pretty much. I mean, I don't know. Pretty much. I, I'm not sure if he exactly lasted until the end. Yeah. But Paul made sure that Jason had a job there, you know, all the time. Sure. and And I'd like to hear his thoughts on all that, but he was with Mr. Hughes and, you know, this was just kind of your punch and kick kind of match. Yeah. It was your big guy getting over kind of match. Yeah, it exactly. Really what it was, yep. it was, you know, I mean, uh, Sal had a minute where he chased Jason around and got tripped up, but it wasn't, right. you know, it was kind of Mr. A vehicle to make Mr. Hughes the monster. Yep. You know? Exactly. And the sidewalk slam got the pin for, Mr. Hughes. So it did just that. Um, it was good to hear instead of the surfing USA, you know, here comes Sandman 
uh, and Tommy Cairo out to Queen, we will rock you. So at least it was something different. Right. <laughs> Wasn't quite full surfer. No, no. This was our first time, uh, well, our first time reviewing seeing the Pitbull. He'd been there for some other shows, but it's the first yep. time we've seen him. Yeah. Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf. Yep. With Rock and Rebel. Jason was out there again with them. So this was two matches in a row. This was double dog collar. And man, I got to say, I, I love this match. I mean, I thought Sandman was bumping all over the place. I mean, I really like the finish too. Yeah. You know, Cairo catches Pitbull with the belly to belly. Yep. Uh, Sandman uses the chain to tie up the legs so Pitbull can't kick out. Yeah, I had I had made a note of that as well that I thought that was that was a really smart finish. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they were brawling all over the arena. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Sandman took, you know, the big back drop, the pile driver on a table. Yeah. They were reminiscent of, of what Sandman would become because yep. he was, you know, a bump machine. Yep. You know, Pitbull yep. used a chain to beal toss Cairo at one point. Yeah. It definitely was an enjoyable match, a good finish. You know, it was a typical ECW brawl. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, fought all over the audience. Uh, I enjoyed the finish. Me too. Um, it's probably one of the better Rebel matches because I'm not a Rebel fan. <laughs> even It's got nothing to do with the horrible thing he did. But right, I'm just right. not a Rebel fan. I thought he was the shits as a wrestler. Well, I mean, yeah. it's horrible what he did, too. But I just thought before that he was a shits as a wrestler. He um, pretty much was. <laughs> he didn't want to work with people. He was tough to work with, I've heard. Yeah. I never hear too much good about him. Yep. Well, we're in agreement, though. I enjoyed the match. And, man, two in a row. This this show, I mean, I was just loving it from top to bottom. I don't really think there was one stinker of a, of a match. I mean, oh, even the... Even as you said, the Hughes and Sal was just, you know, kind of almost a squash. I mean, wasn't quite completely, but even that it was simple, but I wouldn't call it a stinker. I mean, there was nothing on here that I thought, oh, my God, I can't even barely sit through it. You know, you know, know, with the Harrises, I got to say, the Harrises were all over. The Harrises were in Pacific Northwest when it was territory. Yeah. They're in Memphis. They're in Smoky Mountain. They're in ECW. They were in WCW. They were in WWE. I just, I never thought anybody got them right. Here's these two big fucking brutes. <laughs> yeah, big long hair. They look like Bruiser Brody. Big old mountain boys. Why? Why weren't they? I just thought they should have been over more. Obviously, they were given some stupid gimmicks in WWE. They were the Grim, whatever the fuck they were. The no, uh, DOA, Disciples of Before DOA, there was something. Oh, else. yeah, fucking Dutch Mantel was their manager. Oh, fucking gimmick before. Why do I not remember that? Shit. Uh, I gotta remember. Eli and Jacob Blue. Yes. Blue. Now I remember. Yeah. Or the Grimm twins. Yeah, they're Grimm twins too. They're Jared and fucking Jason Grimm. Yep, I remember and, that. Yeah. Then they had the stupid creative control. DOA I thought could have been so much bigger, but it just didn't uh Yeah. Translate to that. I mean, these guys even wrestled in AWA, you know, TNA. They were everywhere's. But I just thought that, and they were good brawlers. They really were. Hell yeah, man. And and this is one where, if you really want to get an appreciation for the Harris boys, this is a match to watch. I mean, they come in there. Joey said, this is a team too violent for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And, right. dude, Mike, this is how you, this is another thing that Paul E. was a fucking genius at. This is how you establish talent. Both of these fucking teams wind up over as fuck. 
because the the Bruce brothers come in, they take it to PE, they beat the shit out of Bears, them. Chairs, tables. Yeah, they Black fuck them up. And through the fucking announce table. Yeah, and who wins? PE gets a win. So, well, PE won. So you can't. They're not. They're not buried in any way. The only silly thing I'll say about this was when Grunge blinded Harris. Yeah, he really gave him like the weakest two by four shot I've ever seen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the rest yeah. of the match is pretty good. That's but true. But he gave him like the weakest two by four shot. <laughs> yeah, that's I've true. ever seen. But it was a good match. I just wish the Harris's, but I just think no one's ever really given them the ball. They always, I mean, granted, yeah. they're like vagabonds. They travel a lot and they would go from arena to arena. And, uh, and then I know they had their Nazi bullshit after where they got whatever. Yeah. You know, into that and that's stupid. But I just thought, you know, that look they had. And, and you know, I, even DOA didn't go over how it should have. Right. No, know? I agree. I agree. Same way with Brian Lee. You know, besides his Smoky Mountain run, he never really had a great run. Yeah, I I like Brian Lee a lot. I always did. Yeah, that was probably the best run of his career. Was was I really enjoyed his stuff in Memphis with the Stud Stable early on when he was with Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. I really enjoyed that part of Brian Lee's career. But uh, now Harris is probably my favorite. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, I could thought we thought I might have hit a button. That's and, okay. Uh, the Harris's, I, I really loved their work in Pacific Northwest. I really dug their run in, in Oregon. Sweet. The of it, where they were feuding with Steve Dahl and the Grappler. <laughs> wow, man. You know, people who yeah. never watched Pacific Northwest are, are missing some uh, amazing stuff. There really was never a bad period of Don Owens Pacific Northwest. Oh, uh, yeah. You could see a young Scotty the body, but he gets really good on the mic. Yeah. And, and he learns his things there. And, you know, these guys... You know, uh, Brian Adams before he became Crush. Yeah, yeah. Just definitely a, a lot of cool, crazy-ass Billy Jack Haynes. <laughs> but yeah, this was a good match. It was enjoyable. Yeah. I just thought there could have been a stronger finish. Unlike sure. the other match, I didn't love the finish because I thought Grunge grunge hit him like a two-year-old with, with a two-by-four. <laughs> yeah. Should have broke the fucker over his head. Oh. And that, no. Well, yeah, they should have, especially the way that Ron and Don fucking late, took it to him. Oh, absolutely. They were great brawlers. Hell yeah. They were great brawlers. You know, they were in the crowd brawlers. I mean, they had some... Their, their run in Smokey was amazing. They the had team, some fucking knockdown brawls. Some they of did. the teams that remind me of them now would be, you know... Well, they're not even... They don't team anymore, but the Viking War Party or the Hooligans or something, you know, they, they're reminiscent of what I saw with the Bruce Brothers in this match. Right. Just fucking chaos right. and yeah, shit flying everywhere and fucking... Yeah. They, come in, they come in to fuck you up. I agree. They had that look, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I In Smoky Mountain, I got it, I got it somewhere. I got to find a tape. But they did a couple matches with the Moondogs that were fucking amazing. Wow. I am a huge Moondog fan. That's uh, awesome. Their run in, in Memphis in like 91 to 92 or 3, where okay. they just killed fucking Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Just amazing. Huh. I I so love the Moondogs. If anybody ever goes on, on YouTube, there's a 42-part Moondog clip thing where it shows no them entering USWA, different different promos, parts of matches. It's amazing. Wow. You know, it's amazing. I always, you know, I I always wondered why the Moon Dogs never showed up in ECW. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were just they would have been the perfect ECW tag team. 
Who were what what uh, formation of the Moon Dogs was it by the time they got to USWA? Do you know? Uh, they changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, when when they first started in USWA, it, it was Spot and Rex. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then there was a second Rex. And there was Cujo. And oh. There was Splash. And, yeah. And and uh, there was a the Moon Dog Fiji for a little while. Uh huh. There were so many fucking Moon Dogs. Huh. You know, and then you know there became a second spike at one point. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so there's a a lot of a lot of moon dogs that were out there. That's cool. Well, <laughs> from uh, from the moon dogs, we go to Dreamland USA. I don't know what kind of segue that is, <laughs> if it even is one. But it, yeah, we'll we'll try it. But Tommy Dreamer, man, here he comes. He's got that as you, the Chippendale, you called it, right? The yeah. Chippendale type gimmick. Here he comes. Jimmy Sinka with Hunter Q. Uh, what can I say? I mean, I loved it. You know, it, it was that really old school fucking pacing that I just, man, I, after watching these older shows just makes me miss so much. You know, I mean, guys just don't pace like that anymore. And Jimmy's just kind of pacing around and making Tommy fucking Making the the fans want Tommy to get right. him, you know. Old school heat. Yeah, yeah. Build up the old school heat, you know. Exactly, exactly. That Memphis thing where we just uh, we work the crowd first. Yep. And I think that's what so many new wrestlers don't do is your veterans. They run the match off the crowd, what they see, yeah. what they hear. Right. The great promoters are the same way. Jerry Jarrett used to sit in the bleachers and listen to the crowd, and that would influence how he would book the next week. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, Snooker obviously getting his cheap heat. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, some people call it, but, but, you know, he did it. Uh, the match was okay. Yeah. I uh, thought it was solid. Dreamer, you know, he, Dreamer gets hit with a super fly splash and kicks out. Uh, Joey told, oversold a little bit on the announcement. Well, that, yeah, cool. that that turned out to be sort of an iconic moment for sure. him. You know, I mean, sure. we I'm sure most people have heard of that at this point. You know, just that there was that moment where Dreamer kicked out of the splash and uh, Superfly Leap, and that was fairly unheard of at that point. All right. So, yeah. You know, Snooka hit a couple more. You yeah. Know, he was bleeding from the mouth. Dude, did you? I mean, me personally, I thought, the cell job he did was fucking awesome. Yep. I mean, he just laid there writhing, man. Okay, you really got fucked up. Their their pre-match heat yeah. and the, the ending and the selling was the best part. Yep. The parts of the match weren't great right. in between. Well, right. that overall really made it into something great to watch because the beginning, yep. fantastic. The end, great. You know, Todd Garden, Todd Gordon tries to stop the carnage. Yeah. Uh, you know. But it got Snooker over as a heel because it was just so hard. Remember a few shows ago, Snooker was a heel and they're still cheering for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He'd been that fucking super fly Jimmy Snooker WWE guy. For People forget what a great heel he was in NWA. Oh, And sure. when he first was in the WWF. Sure. He was a fucking great heel. Yep. Yep. And uh, I really prefer, I prefer Snooker as a heel. Yeah. What, what are your favorite memories of Snooker? You know? What period of snooker did you like the best? Well, the, my my immediate first memory is just 
seeing him with the crimson mask and standing on top of the cage in the garden there with Morocco down right. laying laying uh, underneath him, you know. I mean that I was a kid, you know, and that that cage match it just fucking captured my imagination, yeah. you know. That I mean, was, was, yeah, that's probably yeah. that's one of the best cage matches ever. That was iconic in the same way when he missed Bob Backlund. Right, right. Cage. Oh yeah. Yeah. My favorite Snuka, I really loved his Mid Atlantic stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I enjoyed his run in Georgia where he teamed with Terry Gordy. Yeah, sure. But probably my favorite Snuka was when he teamed with Brody in Japan. Oh, yeah. I loved the run he had with Brody. I've only and, ever and, seen pictures of him and yeah. Brody standing there. A lot of matches on YouTube. Check them out. Cool. A good, good amount. And, uh, you know, they did stuff in New Japan, then they jumped back to All Japan. I really loved uh, his run with Snuka. Hmm. I bet. Yeah. No, that was probably my favorite snooker. Like I said, I really enjoyed his early Georgia stuff. And I really enjoyed his mid Atlantic heel where you know he worked with Steamboat and Fought Flair and they're just that that period of mid Atlantic eighty to I'll say eighty three was gold. Yep. For Piper, sure. Valentine, Dory Funk Jr., Bob Orton, Dick Slater. I mean, oh you know, Gene and Ole Anderson. I used to have tapes of they, they they released, I don't remember what videotape company, but they released a different tape, VHS tape, with all the different guys right. on the front, you know, Bob Orton and JYD and shit like that. And I had a bunch of them, you know, it was, I and I used to, when I was a kid, you know, it's a silly thing to like, but what I remember the most was a lot of the Mid-Atlantic Rings, the the bounce off the ropes had a certain sound to it. I used to like, sure. you know, it just made it different. It just felt so different. But well, yeah, so much talent there. I mean, that was a real precursor. You know, they really set up that the talent that was there really set up the business kind of in the same way that I feel like Ian did, you know, um, later sure. on, of course, later on the line. But if you look at 0304 Ian stuff, you know, guys in and out in Mid South, I mean, eventually that would set up wrestling basically and yeah, absolutely mid-atlantic kind of did that way back when you absolutely know? you know even in the late 70s mid-atlantic was so good with blackjack mulligan flair i mean i remember flair and wahoo uh with the two by four or flair cut wahoo's head open and he needed all those stitches and that fucking promo when he came back and just gold. I, think, I think that's the time period from which Cornette has those lost tapes yeah I think those. I think that's around that time period. Probably. There's yeah. a lot of it on YouTube and some other sites too, though. And okay. even the WWE's got a lot on their network. Okay. The so ones he uh, has that he sells, he said he. I think he said he found them, um, yeah. or they were a place that was going to throw them out or something. <laughs> Probably. He's so, got some cool old stuff. But yeah, yeah that Atlantic was just a uh, gold back then. Heck yeah. Oh. And they, they were doing crazy sellouts. They were running two cards a night. You know, they split up the talent because they had such amazing talent. I know I'm getting off track today. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay, man. I'm, it's easy to getting, do. There's I'm so much in the to... Pacific Northwest and all Japan and all, <laughs> but right. just you know the wrestlers' memories of these wrestlers. You know, it's right. It's it. It's hard not to when you talk about ECW because there's so many different connections to various things. So it's easy for us to get off on a tangent on things. Absolutely. This oh. was crazy, dude. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac against the original Sheik, fucking Eddie Farhat, man, and yeah. Pat Tanaka. 
Yo, <laughs> the entrance. Did do you think that curtain? What well, happened there? Did when she when she came through the curtain, the the entranceway came down. Did he throw that fucker down, or was it? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I'm I wondered sure. that when I saw it. You know, did he rock it? I was wondering, right. and it just kind of fell, or what happened? But looked a little surprised. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was weird looking, but yeah, this was awesome. I mean, of course, you know, the pair ups were Tanaka and Taz in the ring, right. and Sullivan and the Sheik fucking going all around through the crowd. Yeah, because Sheik was uh, the Sheik was limited what he could do at this point. I mean, he's almost seventy. Exactly. So he could only do a certain style, and you know, you had to have a guy like Tanaka to do the bumps, kind of like when he's FMW. Sabu yep. would do his bumps. Yep. Exactly. You know, but if you go back and watch the old Sheik, oh, so good. <laughs> no, well, so one of my favorite things, Mike, when I was a kid was I like to hurt people. I discovered I like to hurt people. And yep. I was fucking terrified of the Sheik, man. I was convinced that shit was real because that movie looked like he was fucking killing Terry Funk. Yeah. <laughs> and I absolutely. thought I thought it was real and he was scary. And I heard Terry. Terry said, at one, I think it was at one of the fan conventions I went to, but he said, man, fucking Sheik, he, he was a scary dude. I mean, he said, I, I'm even afraid to go to his grave because I'd be afraid he's going to come up out of there and chase me around again. And he never broke kayfabe, even in his oh. home. No. He, he stayed in kayfabe. Yeah. I mean, he, he's so committed to the business and just, uh, you know, wouldn't break that kayfabe and you know, just uh, some of the stories you hear about him, just amazing, amazing he's one stories. Of the, he's, he stands up there with one of the greatest draws in the history of, of the sport, I would imagine. I mean, For sure. Uh, you know, fucking guy was, was money. You know, and he started out in 49, I believe. Huh. I mean, and really, is there a better feud than him and Bobo Brazil? I, uh, yeah. It yeah, lasted... 27 years. Wow. And I did, I've done research. I did, wrote a little paper on it. I want to say they were, besides Canada, I believe they wrestled in 27 states. Wow. And I know they had at least 390 matches. Wow. And it's just uh, absolutely, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 27 well. years. I mean, they just, uh, if you go through and start looking at it, it's just crazy. I have a, I'm pulling up part of my research here right now. And uh, just to say, you know, you know, some of the early matches were, you know, 1960, they wrestled in Cincinnati. And I think the last time they wrestled was 87 or 88. Wow. But, you know, we have Cincinnati, Louisville, Missouri, yeah. Nebraska, Ohio, Toronto, Akron, Cleveland, New York, Boston, Indiana, Michigan. Yeah. You know, they were everywhere. Uh, oh, well, Hawaii. Of course, of course, Detroit. You know, you oh, know wow. that. But. Right, that was Detroit. I mean, they were everywhere. Yeah. That food was, was so hot. I mean, between the two of them, Los Angeles, Texas, they took their feud everywhere. And it was such a sellout feud forever. But just think of the fact that they feuded for 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you know something was money and a, and a serious draw when it sticks together that long. Yeah. <laughs> They wouldn't keep them together. They wouldn't be together that long if it didn't mean money. Their last know? match was September '86 wow. in Akron, Ohio, between the two of them. <laughs> and uh, name me another feud that's lasted 30 years. Yeah, I, you know, because I, I did a show recently myself and Leon, and we talked about the best old school hardcore feuds. 
And uh, that was number one. How do you touch it? I mean, and nothing, nothing off the top of my head comes just close. time wise. Yeah. How many states they went to? I mean, Brody and that duel was great, but it didn't oh, yeah. last thirty years. No, <laughs> it went around the world, but it certainly didn't last thirty years. Right. I right. mean, Bobo and Sheik even wrestled in Japan and Australia. Yep. Uh, I mean, and their feud was just a. Uh, well, it's just absolutely amazing, and that and that's one of my favorite parts of the Sheik. And then another thing is, is one of my favorite matches is Sheik and Abdul against the Funks in the uh, tag finals in 1977 in All Japan. Yeah, All Japan. Where the yeah. Funks became like faces. I mean, that match was just amazing. And if you, if your image of Abdullah is, you know, the big way overweight guy that all he could do was roll around a little bit right. or sit outside the ring. Go back and watch that. I and mean, he could fucking yeah. go back then. Younger Abdullah could yeah. move and bump. Yep, he could. And do a lot of things. For you know, sure. You know, another guy that was in business forever and ever. Yep. But for the sure. Sheik, the Sheik just doesn't get, uh, you know, the credit. Probably the greatest, maybe the greatest heel ever. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I would say he's got to be in the, in the conversation. conversation I mean, no, no. no doubt about it. You know, I mean, he mean, could he, still when he came with this one, he could still throw that fireball, man. Like you said, there wasn't a, a lot he could do at this point. But everywhere, oh, everywhere, Florida, sure. Oregon, Los Angeles, AWA, NWA, yeah. WWE against Bruno, two different runs. Mm. Everywhere, Japan, New Japan, All Japan, IWE, FMW, everywhere's in Canada, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You Bring them in. Bring him in, and he was gonna, he was gonna give a shot to the territory. Absolutely, you know, he was that traveling, you know, madman, kind of like Abdullah was back in the day, or Brody. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I think was good because wrestling didn't get stale then. Now sometimes, I mean, WWE had that five-year run where it was either Orton, Triple H, Cena, or Batista. Right, right. I swear to fuck every main event. Yep. Year consists of those. It just (laughs) fucking stale. Yeah. Yeah. And and somehow the Sheik and Bobo didn't get stale for thirty years. I know, and I I don't. Well, then again, you know, I mean, you you're in an era where, first of all, you know the the territories and everything. You didn't have so much coverage where everybody could see everything and knew everything that was going on from night to night. I mean, that's why the territories, even though. They were so good for the business. They would really probably never work today, at least not in the same way, because, I mean, everybody knows everything up to the minute, you know, so. They do, but the wrestling was so good back then. Yeah. I mean, does anybody have chic heat nowadays? No. Nah. People stabbed him and threw acid at him and wanted to kill him. Yeah, not even close. That's non-existent nowadays. Not even close to his heat. We cheer for the heels. Right. And we boo the baby faces. Yeah, and nobody's afraid of the heels. You were genuinely afraid of the Sheik. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was fucking scary. Right. But this match, like they, I said, it was it was it was kind of a uh you know, they brawled in the crowd in the ring, you know, Taz put a submission on Tanaka. Right. Um Sullivan and, and Sheik, you know, suddenly stopped and stared at each other. Sheik threw a fireball yeah. in the ring at Taz. Then Tanaka got the pin. Um, it was a sloppy ending, but right. it, you know it wasn't long. But, but it, it's the Sheik. Yeah, exactly. Wild, crazy brawl. That was the way so I you have to about enjoy. It. 
that's how I felt. I'm, I'm, I was thinking, it's a sheik, so there's no way I can and not. It's like, a 70-year-old sheik. Yeah. You know? And Kevin Sullivan, another great mind, you know? Oh, yeah. Taz sold that fireball at death, too. He I did. Mean, he did. I, I loved that. You know, there was another of the sell jobs. I just... I see them and I think, man, this is the kind of selling that, you know, doesn't really happen anymore. There was a lot in the main event, you know, of course, but I mean. Yeah, what happened to fireballs? How come nobody throws fireballs anymore? Well, yeah, this guy, Trip Cassidy from the Carnies does sometimes, but. Yeah. The thing is, he doesn't. He doesn't much. He, he way overuses them. You know, I've seen him in matches where he'll throw one. And it's a setup move, you know, then outside the ring, he'll just be yeah. tossing fireballs. Then they'll get in the ring a couple more, you know. You, you, you could throw one fireball, that's it. I know, right? Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Lawler threw great fireballs. Yeah, but it's a finish. Jim Cornette threw a great fireball at Ronnie Garvin that time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Jimmy turned face and yep. beat him up in the locker room. That was a great angle. Yeah. It was a great angle. The Sheik threw great fireballs. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, the, well, when it came out, that was the finish. Yeah. Here comes the towel. Fucking their faces burn. Something. That, that should be it. Absolutely. That should Absolutely. be it. But so our next match was really, really fast. Yeah. Um, JT Smith and Mike. Mike, awesome. Fucking right in the middle of his FMW run. Yeah. Do you know much about the what what led to bringing him in? I mean, he had done a couple of shots before this, I think, right? He, I, yeah, he'd done some squash stuff. Yeah. He was great friends with Sabu. Okay. He actually saved Sabu's life. The Yakuza were going to kill Sabu. Oh, I've heard and that. And Awesome got between them, pushed him off, and then uh, Onita locked them both in a room, and somehow <laughs> Onita talked him out of it. Because they were going to kill. Because there was an FMW show. The Yakuza would always have a front row seat. The wrestlers were all told, do not fight into the crowd where the Yakuza are. Don't do it. Stay away. Sabu did an angle where he flew in the crowd, knocked over a couple of Yakuza guys and one of the guy's wife. Then he started bad-mouthing them, and they were literally going to kill him. They beat the shit out of him in the back locker room. (laughs) Awesome came in, pushed him off. They got locked into a room with Sabu, and then Onita somehow finagled and talked him out of killing Sabu. Do you think that at this point, Paulie had some plans for Awesome? Because, I mean, JT was really making him look like a million fucking bucks, I thought. You know, he was just bumping all around for him and fucking taking. And then, you know... This was I don't know if this was it for Awesome in ECW for a while, but I don't really recall much there until yeah, no. you know he came back he much later. He didn't come back for about four years. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't like to finish. I mean, I, I wanted Awesome to win and stay. Oh right, yeah, and he should have. But yeah, I mean, great moves by Awesome. Oh, I mean, Awesome I looked great. I don't understand. WCW and WWE were so fucking stupid the way they booked him. I know. I mean, it was embarrassing. He should have been a world champion. Yep. In either of those promotions. He yep. was amazing. And they booked him. WCW, oh my God, the fat chick thriller. That 70s uh-huh. guy, Team Canada. Oh, fuck. I hated watching. That's when I really got turned off of WCW. Yeah, me too. Like, awesome. Yep. ECW booked him so good. Oh, I thought Paulie 
hit the fucking bullseye by making him the champ. You know, because I thought, boom, there he is. I, and, and, I there's the monster. You know, yeah. there's there's the marketable guy. He's and he could do stuff. I mean, for his size, yeah. amazing. You know, amazing the agility he had. Oh, Fearless. Yeah. And, you know, Van Damme had a historical TV title run where the TV yeah. title was almost worth more than a world title. And they were going to match up, but then Van Damme broke his leg. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Pissed me off because that would have been such a good series. Sure. You know? Yeah, because Mike could be a fucking great base for Van Damme. Yeah. With all his crazy shit. And Van Damme could take bumps like a I, it, better than anyone I, I at least as well as anyone I remember and seeing. Van Dam could go over awesome without hurting him. Right. Van oh. Dam was so over. Yeah, Van Dam could oh. go over anybody back then. Yeah. It went over him without without distinguishing awesome or hurting him at all. But yeah, I just uh, I didn't. I mean, this is a short match, like two minutes. I just didn't understand why JT went over that way. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a little ridiculous, but uh, yeah, you know, JT did almost get his back broken <laughs> on the railing outside, so I guess it was absolutely. So then we go to the main event. Still there? Breath. Oh, I didn't, couldn't I couldn't hear you for a minute. Okay, I I was saying I didn't remember the rope snapping. There at the end when he was doing the he was going for the big splash on the ref. I didn't remember the rope snapping on him, you know, but yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Down he went right on that, but absolutely. And we go to the big one. The big one, man. Yo, I gotta I gotta hear your thoughts on it because mine just out of the gate are that this was every bit it deserves every bit of the accolades of I've ever heard it receive. And I, I think sometimes that it's the opposite. You know, you go back and you watch some of these matches that are long heralded and you think, well, there were some things in there that probably got glossed over or whatever. But I, I don't know. As I was watching this one, I really thought this was pretty close to perfectly worked. Between yeah, the and they had great instruments. And when I say instruments, I say Sherry, nine one one, the Rottens. Right. It, it had great instruments around the ring, you know. Ollie. Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It just had, uh, you know, the great setup and, and the great instruments, and uh, you know, you know, fifteen minutes, you know, Sabu and Shane with Sabu selling the arm. Right. R- really good sequence of wrestling. Yeah, Shane Shane's Sabu was wrenching on the fucking shoulder. That was okay. uh, that's why I thought the selling was on a different level too. I mean, now people register the moves, but they, there's a, there's such a difference between register and sell the moves. And you know, register, yeah, how it hurts, and then you move on. But sell it actually let us believe that your arm is fucked up now. And you know, for a while, Shane Shane wasn't able to do anything with that shoulder. No, he, he was one armed there. Sabu was really good at working it over, busting yeah. a couple of nice arm bars. Yep. You know, Shane reciprocated with some good selling. About the fifteen minute mark, uh, 
Sabu was unable to put him away. Sabu uh, goes for broke with the moonsault through the table. Right. Obviously came up short. And once yeah. Terry got involved and essentially replaces Sabu. Terry was so fucking awesome. I mean, I mean that's a redundant statement. There. Sure. You know, I mean, everybody feels that way. But, I mean, Terry just was. I mean, if you really sit and watch him, he was. If you're a fan of professional wrestling, I don't even, I'm not talking about sports entertainment. If you're a fan of the sport of professional wrestling, Terry Funk has to be one of your favorites, man, because Terry was so good at making you, it was so easy to suspend disbelief with during a Funk match. Without a doubt. And one of the greatest promos. Oh God. Ever promo guys. Um, a great face, a great heel. Yep. You know, it didn't matter uh, what angle he worked. Uh, great run as an NWA champion. Hell yeah. You know, there's definitely different phases of funk. Your 70s pure wrestling kind of funk. Right. 80s goes into Memphis brawls with Lawler. Yeah. Uh, end of 80s, amazing fucking feud with Ric Flair and NWA. Yeah. Morphing into FMW and ECW turns into this crazy deathmatch. Nuts guy doing bombs and barbed wire. <laughs> put him back know. in WWE. Put a pantyhose over him. Cool run is Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> yeah, really. Exactly. So, goes back to WCW. Does a run as their hardcore champion. Yeah, yeah. Just constantly, uh, you know, reinventing himself to a point. Yeah. I think still, I, I think Terry could work circles around a lot of the major independent stars now. You know, for sure, Terry could work circles around him. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, the the Funk brothers are amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And Terry just had that. I don't. Terry just had that. I don't give a fuck. For, uh, you know, he, he just seen that way. You didn't Absolutely. think Terry just the the whole middle age and crazy thing that that there was more than just a gimmick. It seemed like with Terry, yeah. you know, and yeah. he just he, he he went all for broke, and he's. He's windmilling fucking Sherry. <laughs> He's yep. windmilling fucking Jim Molyneux. It was awesome. Absolutely. You know, there's just so much goodness match. And then, you know, eventually we have Sabu come back after he brawls to the back with the Rottens. Yeah. You know, Sabu's got uh, a legit hurt. Just uh, the table bump. Terry and Shane both take advantage of it. And by the end, Mike, it was the walking wounded. I mean, Sabu could yeah. barely stand. Terry was hobbling around. Shane could barely lift a fucking arm. I was, just thought it was so well done. It was 60-minute Broadway. These motherfuckers have been through a war. Yep. So many great run-ins. Yeah. Terry, Paulie, later the Rottens. The you bad know. breed, yeah, exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, close to a close to a time limit draw. Oh yeah, just uh, and the fans, the the reaction at the end was was fucking awesome. I mean, just they they felt the gravity of it. I mean, for all the times I've heard how special the ECW fans were, they were. I mean, on a on a different scale than I think anybody would realize unless they were there, unless they experienced the crowd, and. That crowd in the arena was so smart, and they they just they felt 
the gravity of that situation that those three guys went out there and busted their asses, you know, and they just, soon as the, soon as the call came and Bob Ortiz said, that's it, you know, 60 minute draw, whatever the, the crowd was on their feet. Absolutely. And the promos, they all cut after it. Oh man. I funk trash in WCW praising his opponents. You know, Paulie insulting anybody that's coming to mind. Sabu particularly drooling in the corner. <laughs> I watched that about five times over and over and over again. I couldn't stop. I couldn't get enough of it. The whole that's thing. Shane coming out and demanding to be the champ. God, dude. Shane. Shane's so fucking good on the mic. And when he was saying, you know, the this is the end of the fucking Funk family. I loved it. I you just you bought every word that Shane was saying, you know. Absolutely. It was so hard to believe that him and Terry could be any sort of friends, you know, but they right. were, they were, but there was a lot of respect there for, from Shane to Terry. But, oh, absolutely. If you don't respect Terry Funk, then I don't know what's wrong with you. You shouldn't be in the wrestling business. Oh, hell yeah. If you don't have respect for Terry Funk, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Just, uh, you're one of the absolute best. And if people don't recognize that, then, uh, I don't know. I guess they should uh, go back to watching WWE. A bit of a mantra, Mike, for ECW as a whole came out of the out of Shane's promo. And I would kind of like to get this as a tattoo if it wasn't so many words. But Shane said, he said, this was professional wrestling as it was meant to be. Ass kicking. Take no names. Beat the hell out of whoever's in front of you. I thought, well said, Shane Douglas. So, Absolutely. you know, now grab the cock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Grab Get... the cock. <laughs> sodomize each other. Yeah, what the Take fuck? Take off your clothes. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't even know what, what's become of professional wrestling. I'm telling you, brother, it, the, the memories are keep me going, you know, because yeah, I, mean, I there's a as I say on my other show, you know, I. There's a lot about wrestling today that keeps me going. I love it. You know, I still love seeing the guys that are talented, but Jesus, there's so much I have to put up with. Yeah, the cock stuff's getting a little old. Oh, God. I can't even. It's so hard to swallow it. I, I dread when they say Joey Ryan's on the card. Oh. I just, uh, I just dread it. And. and- I'm a Sexy Eddie fan, but I heard Sexy Eddie. Well, you you saw it. I didn't see it, but yeah. doing the clusterfuck, you know, here comes Eddie. He's naked. Yeah. <laughs> they got oil. They got cocks. They got, they're having fun. What the fuck? Yeah, the DD2 show was pretty much a softcore porn. Jesus. I mean, at one point, the guy had his hands down the other guy's pants and had his shorts around his ass. And it looked like he was... Well, and you sent me that one disturbing fucking image. Some <laughs> two guys in the corner with the. It was like it was like a, it was like I was watching some fucking fetish porn. Oh, or some bullshit. I mean, I just uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they cross a they cross the line. Yeah, it's disgusting. It line. is. It is. Uh, you know. I'm not a huge comedy person, but I can appreciate comedy sometimes. Right. That's not comedy. No. I will give Orange Cassidy credit. Um, cause he's not doing dick slams and doing stuff. He's doing some, some form of comedy. I can appreciate that. 
Yeah, and he's one of the ones that I can I can actually swallow a little because and I he's, yeah because he's not grabbing guys' dicks and to be honest he's kind of talented to do some of the moves with his hands in his pocket. And I feel like he can go, and I feel like a lot of it is it actually has a purpose, you know that that right. hands in the pockets. Yeah, it could be interpreted as kind of a fuck you. I'm not scared sure. of you. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Not, not necessarily my favorite part of the show, but I can appreciate that. You know, Colt Cabana with his comedy. I can appreciate that. The late Larry Sweeney. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> Am I a huge fan of comedy? I'm not a huge fan of it, but it has its place in times, and I can appreciate it sometimes. But we cross the line with the with the, the soft core snuff yeah, like you said, like you said, Mike, it's not comedy. This is, let me see if I can shock you or gross you out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, it'll trend. Yeah. People will notice it. I mean, I thought All In was a fantastic show, except for the Dick Parade. <laughs> that just right. took down the value of the show. Yeah. And yeah. then a great main event had to be cut from 25 minutes to 10 because yeah. we had a fucking stupid 15-minute Dick Parade. Had fucking penises walking out yeah. there. I'd have much yeah. rather seen that six man go another ten minutes. I don't know about you. Hell yeah. And it was a good show. Oh. Yeah. It was a really good show. Just that one, like I said, oh I hope I still hope Joey Ryan doesn't go to AEW. <laughs> Cause I'm really excited for AEW. Sure. Yeah, they, they could shake things up, you know. I, yeah. I I compared them with you, in fact, they've been one to I you know, I think I see parallels to the time when ECW Sure. Took, took charge you know sure. i see parallels i mean vince had had been he's been dick slapping the business so much and yeah. he's doing it again you know and yeah. now it's the time is ripe for somebody else to come in and go listen asshole yeah we're, we're gonna give guys another place to come work man so step it up or fucking get out of the business do you think ambrose is a work or is he gonna jump I, I don't know, man. I, I think seeing I think him being in the rafters at the blood sport really says a lot, eh? I, I don't I agree. Know. At the same time, the only thing I'll say is when has the WWE gave someone so much publicity when they were leaving? Have they ever? That is true. I and, mean, I don't I don't I mean I think he might be, but I've never seen them give anyone any yeah. publicity when they're leaving, right? Yeah. Right. No. They just they're gone. We don't talk about them. Exactly. We don't say, "Oh, your contract's up at the end of the month, and he's going to be done going to greener pastures." Da 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 da. Yeah. They don't ever say that. Yeah. I mean, huh? I, I've never seen them do that. Have, have it, you been watching that Dark Side of the Ring on the Vice I, Channel? I haven't. No, I I listened oh, to Jim talk about so the good. the Montreal screw job, which I got to say, I was so floored good. when uh, I was floored to hear that Jim was the yeah. real one who came up with that finish. Yeah. I had no idea. So the Brody one is amazing. The Randy Savage one was amazing. If you have time, check them out. I can't put them over enough. Cool. I, uh, I have the Brody one saved on my phone or bookmarked because I saw it online. It's probably the best. But I got to be honest with you, the Savage one was amazing, too. Sweet. The Savage and Liz. And then the last one with Montreal was so good. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, I'm excited. I hope they get renewed for a second season. Uh, yeah. they, they do such a good job, you know, digging into it and getting different. Sounds like That's it. Yeah. it. Really sounds like it. Yeah, yeah it's something I really dig. I, I really enjoyed the show so far. Well, I mean, the lucky thing for us is we don't have to worry about dick spots with, right, right. with for, for Tales from Swanson and Rittner. You know, we get a chance to go back and relive the days of fucking, 
you know, uh, yeah. When yeah. wrestling was real, and like right. just like Shane said, you know, when wrestling Sabu was didn't pull his pants down and do a naked moonsault onto Terry Funk or no man. No. <laughs> I think it, I would have loved to see somebody try that shit back then. I think fucking uh, Terry uh, or Sabu or somebody would have shot and beat the fuck out I of him. Think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it would have been bad. But it worked out bad for somebody. I think well, yeah. huh. we, we, we've seen a death in the ring. Yeah, my shock and all was a, a fireball or a branding iron or a barbed wire bat, not Act. someone grabbing your dick. Yep. That's that's what I thought shock and all was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Like and, I said, you know, I can dig the comedy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I really I try to look at things with open mind. I watched the GCW show. Yeah. Uh, and I like GCW. I'm not going to shun them because their product is great. Yeah. Um, I really didn't dig the idea of the Invisible Man versus the Invisible Stand. <laughs> but I will tell you, Bryce Rensburg bumped so good, he made it watchable. I, I heard that. I, I have to say, I didn't hate it. I'm not yeah. a fan of it. And then in the same token, I got thinking, holy shit, a promoter put two invisible wrestlers in the ring for <laughs> 10 minutes, and the whole place went wild. I know. That's pretty fucking good. That is Holy pretty fucking It says a lot about GCW, I think. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. I would much rather watch that than a dick spot. Because, I mean, Rensburg, he's actually doing seminars now. How to how to ref an invisible match. Oh, Christ. Because he got over I, from that. But he was great in the ring. I mean, bumping, oh. calling. He looked like a million dollars. Part of the deal, though, Mike, is that the letters GCW are getting to an ECW-like position. You know, I feel like people, the draw is game changer. Absolutely. Not who's on the show. You know, I'll, oh, hell yeah, you remember. They didn't have to announce a fucking card. You went. If it was the arena, and I was telling Tony Depp in this, you know, if it was the arena... They didn't have to announce a fucking card. They didn't announce talent. I didn't know who was at 60% of the cards. No, hell no. You didn't need to know because you knew it was Paul Heyman. It was the arena. It was magic. So some shit was going to happen. I got to be there. You know? (laughs) So. And and even the non-arena shows, they didn't put on shit cards. There was some amazing matches at some of the non-arena shows that people wouldn't see unless they were there. Well, some some of my favorite matches were house show. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the ones that resonate so much in my head. Absolutely. Just random house shows. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was hey. amazing, amazing house shows. You know, just these little cards where you see these sometimes amazing matchups. Well, they believe that you go hard no matter who's in the fucking crowd, no matter how many yep. people are out there, no matter what the if it's going to be you know, shown on TV or not. I mean, they, you know, they believe that if you got 10 people who paid, you you fucking yeah. go out there and, and yeah. put it on a show for them. I went to Middletown in November of 96 for a house show, okay? Oh, I'll yeah. Run through, yeah. I'll run through part of the lineup. Uh, Gangsters and Eliminators, main event. Sandman, <laughs> Too Cold Scorpio. Yeah. Shane Douglas, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck Raven. Pitbull 2, Brian Lee. <laughs> Too Cold Scorpio and David Taylor. Tyler. Wow. You know, Louis Piccoli and Stevie Richards. Oh, wow. That was a house show. That's awesome. Yeah, that was just, you know, your, your regular old house show. <laughs> That's Special. awesome. Yeah, ab- absolutely, you know. 
and some of those small house shows were just uh, amazing. You know, oh, I keep, hell yeah, I keep track of shit. I went to another one in uh, Jim Thorpe, PA, uh-huh. and it was in July of '96. And, and uh, main event: Terry Gordy and Tommy Dreamer and the Bruise Brothers. Wow. Semi main event: The Eliminators, Chris Jericho, Mikey Whipwreck. Brian Lee took on uh, L.A. Smooth, Big Samoan, Taz and Sandman, Gangsters, Damian Kane and Devin Storm, Shane Douglas, Bubba Ray Dudley, J.T. Smith and Raven. Wow. Yeah. And that was just a just a show. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I saw one. I saw a house show in Warwick, Pennsylvania, and the main was Sabu and Terry, just a sure. world title. You know, I mean, it's fucking bananas. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it was you. You never knew what you're going to see. You know, ECW was a destination. You you had to get in that fucking building because you don't know what you're going to see in there. And we're just looking. I mean, <laughs> that'd be another show, man. Get with. I guess we'd have to get with Feinstein. <laughs> we'd have to get the fan uh-huh. cams. But you know, unfortunately, I have a bunch from him. I I went back and bought all of the shows that I ever attended. Nice. On fan cam from him. Nice. So I have, I have those. A, but quite a few too. Uh, I remember, you know, the Syracuse show they did in in May '97. Yeah, yeah, the I remember that. Terry and Raven. You had Sandman and Balls Mahoney, Eliminators, the Dudleys and the Gangsters, Francine and Raven against Beulah and Tommy Dreamer, uh, wow. Taz and Spike Dudley, Chris Candido and Chris Chetty, the Pitbulls and the FBI. Wow. You know. Yeah. And then I ended up going to. We were at the Buffalo Invasion. Oh, definitely. I was at every every show until the very end. Yeah. I went to that uh, at show, the, too. That the was the show the night after. Oh, that you was, did? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember Funk, Raven, Richard, and Sandman? Hell yeah. Main event. And then we had the Dudleys, Eliminators, Gangsters again, Dreamers, Piccoli. Uh, Raven and Richard took on Terry and Dreamer in a tag team match, too. Double duty that night. Do you remember when Spicoli rolled Tommy down the bleachers there? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that yep. was one that I I remember yep. quite well, quite clearly. That was a nice building. I mean, the, yeah. Uh, I th- I really thought, and it it was Looking a source of so, yeah, it was a source of pride for me because Buffalo yeah. was you know I was I'm so proud of Buffalo. I still am that I'm from there. But we, we probably talked to each other at some point. I'm sure. I bet. <laughs> but I mean, it was just that. To me, that was such a hot ECW town. I was so I was proud that we were, you know, Buffalo was one of them, you know. Absolutely. Because you know you had Philly, you had New York, and I really think Buffalo was right in there. You know, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. I mean, it was one of those top five for sure. Uh, Massachusetts too. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Cool stuff in Worcester for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I moved on to Boston. Yeah. I seen a couple of the Worcester shows that were good. Revere, yeah, 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 and then towards the end they started to go kind of all over, right? Which was right. okay, but I I liked it more than it stayed in Northeast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I exactly. was at the one Chicago pay per view though. Oh, you were? Yeah, I had to. I worked at uh, years and years ago. The company I worked for sent me there for training for a week. Wow, so it was the same time as the one Chicago pay per view. Sweet yeah. man. In '99, <laughs> you got to go then. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was in town anyways. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, fuck. Might as well go if you're there, right? Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just awesome. Uh, I, I tried to go anytime I could. I know when I got back from there, uh, I, uh, shit, 
I flew, I, I got right off the plane, it was an afternoon, and we went right to Schenectady and then Poughkeepsie because it was the two colleges that Scott Hall was on. Oh, yeah, awesome. There's yeah. so many people forget about. Yeah. You know, because he was, uh, he did a Scott Hall thing there. But, uh, yeah, that it was Anarchy Rules 99. It was a really yeah. good show. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, really good show. Was that, was that Balls and RVD? Yep. Yeah, that, that... I was a really close friend with Balls, I, and I, I was always so proud when people got to see because I thought Balls could really go, sure. and I, I enjoyed that the fact that, oh, on a major stage, somebody you know people got to see that he could he could really fucking that, that go. So was killer. Uh, yeah. Tajiri, Guido, and Super Crazy. Oh yeah. Justin and Shabu, Lance and Jerry Lynn, Mike yeah. Awesome over Tanaka and Taz. Right, right, that three way. Yeah. 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 Dreamer against uh, Rhino and Carino. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that yep. was a fucking amazing show. Well, that's uh, a cool thing. We're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get to all those. So I mean we'll Oh absolutely. We've only just begun. Oh know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could go back and do TVs and do all there's all kinds of shit. I mean to oh, know, yeah. go forever. And yeah. uh, we'll just do a quick preview of our next show. Sure. I'm gonna tell people. The next show we're gonna do as I'm excited about too is when worlds collide. Um, that's going to show that happened on 5 1494. It was at the ECW Arena. The main event was an amazing tag match. Amazing. Bobby Eaton Sabu hmm. against Arn Anderson and Terry Funk. Fucking phenomenal. Wow. Uh, there was a great handicap elimination match. JT Smith and the Bruce Brothers against Mr. Hughes, Shane Douglas, and P.E. We're going to first see Mikey Whipwreck against 911, uh, Sandman and Woman. Against Peaches and Tommy Dreamer, hmm. uh, Pitbull and Tasmaniac, uh, Tommy Dreamer and uh, or Tommy Cairo and Peaches, excuse me, Tommy Dreamer and Rock and Rebel, and then Jimmy Snuka and Kevin Sullivan. So that's uh, that's our next show. Really good show. Yeah, sounds like, pretty badass. And uh, I hope you'll tune in. I man, thanks. You know, every time I talk to you, Mike, or whatever, you know, you're always telling me about how people check in about the show or oh, yeah. give you props about it. So man, I just, you know, thank you to the people that are checking this out. That's really fucking cool. Cause Mike and I are having a ball, you know, and oh, it's, just, it's pretty fucking cool that this is my some passion. of you guys care. You know, yep. it's pretty cool that some of you, some of you guys care too. I do a lot of podcasts and, and I love them all. And this is my passion project. Yeah. I love ECW. Yeah. And I waited a while to find the right person to do this with. So this is something that's been in my mind for a while. Cool man. Well, I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad I'm the one because you know I'm having a blast right, right right alongside you, man. Well, it's great to be able to talk about the matches. It's really great to talk about the wrestlers' backstory a little bit too. Yeah, I always find that interesting, and I'm a pretty knowledgeable territory guy. Hell yeah, or backstory <laughs> or things like that. So uh, you sure uh, are. Yeah, I try. Uh, I, I I watch and read way too much wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always have. And, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm constantly, uh, I, you know, I constantly go back and learn more about the territories as I go too. Sure. Constantly, I have so many results and so many. I have a bunch of Mark James books, just full of results from territories. Uh, if you've never checked out the Mark James books, they're amazing. Uh, you know, I've got like the Memphis results for 40 years. I've got Mid Atlantic results, Georgia results. Uh, I've got all the programs from Memphis for 20, 15 years in a big book. Uh, you know, really good reading. 
Very cool. You know, history of AWA, three volumes. History of WWE, two volumes. And, uh, you know, I just love going through and reading those and results and different things. I've always been a results person, love, love results and learning about cards and then learning about gimmicks and everything. Yeah, man. For sure. Well, on that note, I guess we'll wrap her up here in a second because uh, I think I'm getting to go home signed from the boss. <laughs> the <laughs> That's a good reason the, to end it. Uh, the management is OT, time. so I'm, I'm getting to go home. The rest telling me. That's a good time to go home. That's the show. So thanks for coming on the show, folks. Uh, you know, next week we'll, we should get together and we'll be doing that. And uh, just a lot of cool stuff to come on. Thank you, uh, Jeremy, for partnering with me as always. Hell yeah. Thank you, Mike.